When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Even though we're all taught to always tell the truth from a young age, most of us aren't so honest. Parents lie to their kids, employees lie to their bosses, patients lie to their doctors, and vice versa. But experts say that while the majority of people tend to lie now and then, they are, for the most part, honest. Dr. Christian Hart is a professor of psychology at Texas Women's University, director of the Human Deception Laboratory, and co-author of Big Liars, What Psychological Science Tells Us About Lying and How You Can Avoid Being Duped. Most people lie, but most people tend to be fairly honest most of the time, but there's a smaller subset that engages in quite a bit of lying. Through a number of different analyses, we've kind of honed in on this notion that big liars are those people who are in about the top 5% of liars, so at the very peak of the distribution, and they tend to tell five or more lies per day. But the frequency isn't always a good measure of big liars. Even if someone tells a couple of lies throughout the week, they may still fall into this category if those stories have major consequences. In our book, we characterize big liars as either being those people who lie prolifically or those people who tend to tell extremely consequential lies. Hart says dishonesty emerges in childhood, around age three. But is the habit of lying a product of nature? Or nurture. We see that when it comes to dishonesty, there is a heritability of about 30%. And so about 30% of the variation you see in lying from person to person seems to be due to the genes they've inherited from their biological parents. But the vast majority can be explained by the environments. And so people who lie excessively, one of the patterns we see is early in life, they tend to be in fairly punitive environments. So, you know, their parents or their teachers at school punish them for their wrongdoing. And so one way to avoid the punishment is just lie and say, I'm behaving, you know, as I should. Another factor that probably won't come as a surprise is that children tend to model the behavior of their parents. They might become big liars if mom and dad often lie or promote an environment that's accepting of dishonesty. For example, saying things like, well, lying's okay sometimes or lying's not that bad. And then children tend to adopt those patterns. And then also with the siblings and peers, people who are reared around friends and brothers and sisters that lie a lot will tend to take online quite a bit themselves. But a lot of it is really just habitual patterns. We all have habit patterns. In fact, if you examine your typical day-to-day experience, a lot of it is just a repetition of the very same things you did yesterday and the same things you did the day before. And so if people adopt these social patterns of sort of solving social dilemmas by using dishonesty, they tend to repeat those patterns over and over again. And lo and behold, it becomes second nature to lie. But that doesn't mean these people are pathological liars. 
Dr. Drew Curtis is an associate professor of psychology and director of the Curtis Deception Lab at Angelo State University. He also co-authored Big Liars with Heart. He says big liars are not pathological. That condition is something different. These are people that also do tell lies with great magnitude and or high frequency, but usually their lies are going to cause them problems in social relationships, occupations, or other areas of their lives, where that's not always the case for big liars. You know, big liars can lie and it not necessarily cause those same issues. So we separate those. And I guess the easiest way to think about it is pathological liars would be a subset of big liars. One main distinction is that big liars haven't yet been recognized as a psychological disorder. But that doesn't change the fact that these people aren't being truthful. Because of this, you might wonder how Hart and Curtis can get accurate research when their subjects are masters at deception. How can they trust their participants? Well, Hart says that these big liars aren't usually trying to hide. In fact, having discussions about lying may be the only time they're comfortable telling the whole truth. One of the things we find is that when we sit down and interview people, they tend to be pretty honest about their dishonesty. Um, and and we, we can also verify that what people tell us about their level of dishonesty matches their actual level of dishonesty. So, for example, if we have someone come into our lab who says, I never lie at all, and then we put them in a contrived situation where they might be incentivized to lie, they don't. And those people who say they lie a lot, when we put them in a similar situation, they tend to lie quite a bit. And so we know that people tend to be pretty honest when we ask them in a non-threatening environment or situation about their level of dishonesty. And just like many of us, big liars can feel that they're lying for a greater purpose. For example, telling a friend you love her new haircut when you might not actually like it seems like a helpful lie. But is it? People who say they tell white lies, they might say my end goal is really to make someone else feel better or spare someone's feelings or something to that end where, you know, they're not going to say I'm, I'm trying to be manipulative. But if you pushed it back and you said, well, yeah, you were being manipulative, they could say, OK, maybe I was, but to this other end or to this other goal. These white lies can have big consequences down the road. Even ones as simple as the tooth fairy can potentially affect future relationships. I've done some research on parental deception, specifically with telling children about Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, these types of lies. And so, you know, you have parents that do that. The value of honesty is placed with a high premium, yet it's not necessarily lived out. And though Curtis says lies about Santa Claus don't usually have a lasting effect, college students report less relational satisfaction with parents who lied to them as children. But how can you tell when someone is lying? Hart says people are generally not very good at detecting deception. Even polygraph tests are only about 80% reliable, which is why the results are not permissible in a court of law. The fact is that some people are just really good at lying. Those people who are really good at lying are also really good at telling the truth. And what I mean by that is they just are very compelling and convincing people. And so they're compelling and convincing when they're being honest, and they're also compelling and convincing when they're being dishonest. And the patterns that we see is they tend to be very socially engaging. They make eye contact, they smile a lot, they reflect back with the people that they're talking to. They also seem very confident, so they say things with a very assertive tone. 
they sound believable in their delivery and their intonations. And so people who do that make good salespeople, whether they're being honest or whether they're being dishonest, they're just good at persuading others. And with the rise of television shows about catching criminals, many of us believe we won't be the ones to fall for their con. But all of that late night binging may not be as helpful as you think. Contrary to what many people believe, Hart says you can't tell someone is lying by just watching their mannerisms. So paying close attention to their eye movements or subtle facial expressions won't reveal a true big liar. And so if we want to look at how people actually detect lying, what we find is that in the majority of cases, it's through evidence. You know, someone makes a claim. They say, yes, I was at a party last night. And then they hear from someone else who was at the party says, no, they weren't at the party. (laughs) And so it's through the accumulation of additional evidence that we tend to detect lying. Hart says we can avoid being duped simply by paying attention to our situations and circumstances. For example, in romantic relationships, someone might not want to know about their partner's infidelities just because it would be so painful and so difficult to deal with and might completely upend their lives. And so they'll just turn a blind eye. And so just simply paying attention is one way that we can detect lying. Another method is to rationally think through the information we receive instead of automatically believing it. But if we pause and we pump the brakes and we really consider what's being said and carefully consider the evidence, we're more likely to detect the signs of dishonesty. The problem is, is that's a very kind of cognitively labor-intensive process, which is why we process things automatically much of the time. Another strategy is simply to adopt a more skeptical approach. And, you know, none of us want to feel skeptical of people who are talking to us. And so I don't necessarily mean being cynical, but just simply asking what the proof is for the claims that are being made. And if we just simply look for the proof or look for the evidence, that can oftentimes help us root out those people who are being dishonest with us. But even with all of this research, Hart says even he isn't very good at spotting liars. In his day-to-day life, he doesn't especially care if people lie to him. It's only in more serious situations, such as when making an expensive purchase, that he pays close attention to the truth. I look for the evidence. I look for incongruencies in what's being said. And then also a good way to kind of position oneself to better detect lying is just to understand when people's motives are not aligned with your own. For example, if someone's trying to sell you something, their motivation is oftentimes to get as much profit as possible, and your motivation is to pay as little as possible, so your motives are to a certain degree at odds with each other. When we're in situations where our motivations are clearly different from someone else's, that's when I tend to really kind of focus in and pay attention. But that's not to say that everyone who lies is trying to be deceitful. People make mistakes all the time. They might give false information and not be aware of the facts. Lying requires an intention to be deceptive. Hart and Curtis's book, Big Liars, What Psychological Science Tells Us About Lying and How You Can Avoid Being Duped, is available now online and wherever books are sold. You can learn more about Dr. Christian Hart, Dr. Drew Curtis, and all of our guests by visiting our website, radiohealthjournal.org. For more behind the scenes, follow Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Instagram, and X. This segment was written by our associate producer, Polly Hansen. Our lead producer is Kristen Farah. I'm Elizabeth Westfield.
Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. And so now we can think about, could we teach the immune system not just how to fight a certain virus, but could we teach the immune system how to fight cancer? Can a vaccine cure cancer? Then, are resilient people born or built? I was always wondering, was I resilient? I thought I might be, but I wasn't sure. And then I was the victim of a shooting. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. Tarantulas are actually very, very interesting spiders. Actually, most tarantulas are pretty docile, and people keep them as pets. Spiders and bats are often used as spooky, scary icons each Halloween, but are they really as scary as they seem? Then... You can't be America's leading free speech organization if people don't know who you are. Ever seen ads for an organization known as FIRE? We cover why they seem to be everywhere. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.